Hello, hello, hello. Yes, you have tuned into the Strong Woman's Network. That's where we're strategic, talented, resilient, optimistic, and understanding how necessary we are and using those keys to go global. And if it's not the world, make sure it's your world. And thank you again for pushing play. And we love when you give us five-star ratings because we have great information and great guests. So share the word. It's the Strong Woman's Network podcast. You can also follow me on Instagram at Miss Carla Michelle. It's M-S-C-A-R-L-A-M-I-C-H-E-L-L-E. And we love it. I'm glad you're here today. And guess what? We have our first male guest on the Strong Woman network podcasts we have some information that we're going to share about adapting in times of change i have a colleague a good friend a wise person dell here with me and let's welcome dell to the show That's <laughs> hi carla <laughs> hi i'm so glad to have you here today i know you uh please tell the listeners a little bit about yourself yeah, sure. Uh, well, thank you for having me. It's nice to know that, you know, gender equality reaches everywhere. I'm so <laughs> proud to represent uh, males in, in a strong women's network. And uh, thank you for having me, Carla. Uh, yeah, so uh, Carla and I are, you know, old friends and colleagues. And uh, I spend, you know, a good deal of my time thinking about change and how people adapt to change, whether that's through M&A or through personal growth or promotion. Um, yeah, I've spent most of my career um, helping organizations create and manage change effectively. Awesome. And that's so good because we get business owners as well as personal growth. And so this is something in where we are in today's world, we've all known where we, what's been happening the last six months. Um, you know, I don't know how close we are to having any change to what we were used to, and we'll probably never go back to what we're used to. So change is such a good topic right now. If you could think of anything at this moment when you talk about change, what do you think, like, if you can give me three things that are just really pertinent right now? Yeah, you know, I when I think about um, times of change, there there are times when you're pursuing change yourself and you have some control and some set of expectation um, when you are thinking about the change that you want to undergo. Uh, then you have times of change where uh, change is thrust upon you, whether that's, um, you know, because your organization is changing or, um, you know, a, a company's acquired, that's a, a pretty common one, or you're, you're promoted. Um, and then there's those, those, you know, monumental changes like we're experiencing now, where uh, change is driven by external forces, and there's a lot of uncertainty around those changes. Um, and as, as I think about those three different kinds of change, it's how do you find your agency and how do you find your level of comfort to be able to adapt to those changes so that um, you don't become overwhelmed? Um, you know, as, as I think about, um, you know, change that you promote yourself, whether it's 
buying a new house or, uh, you know, again, pursuing a new job, uh, you have a lot of control in that. And still there's externalities and unknowns. And, you know, when you decide to make that change, it's, it's, you know, it's a big deal, but when, you know, COVID happens and there's a pandemic and changes thrust upon you and there's a lot of uncertainty. The real question I have is how do you adapt to that change? And when I think about it, how can you create some self-agency during those times of change? Mm. Yeah. Self-agency. That's a great word, a great phrase. Can you define that for maybe someone who's like, what does he mean by that? Yeah. Um, when, when I think about self-agency, I think about what, areas can I, you can't control your environment, but you can influence. And in what ways can you influence um, the environment around you? And then your attitude as you're approaching um, mm -hmm. these, these times of uncertainty, for example. Um, when I think about self-agency, it is about how do I adjust my perspective and how do I change my actions and my decision-making um, when I'm going into a time of change, that's, you know, change by definition is something that is not the status quo in your environment. So um, it's how do you think about it? How do you adjust? And how do you adjust your attitude to, um, to prepare so that you don't become overwhelmed? Yeah, you know, I hear a lot and, and with clients talking about this is a time where they're doing more work and offered more um, visibility, but the pay is not matching or mm -hmm. the title is not matching. What, any tips for that? Because I think, and I asked a question, then I keep going, but <laughs> I, I, I wonder, you know, what, could, what tools could they use to persevere or remain resilient? Because that's hard to produce and then not even, they can't even guarantee that you will be promoted or some type of increases there at this time. So anyway, yeah, what's some tips? Yeah, I, you know, as, as somebody who has been a leader in organizations, you know, it not leaders don't have a lot of control often and um, the environment surrounding, um, you know, particularly in, in times of a recession, um, the pandemic, where there's this this level of uncertainty, um, there there has to be some level of trust that's put in, and uh, kind of like not to quote, well, I guess I'll quote Ronald Reagan um, when he was uh, doing the uh, nuclear inspections. He says, "Yes, you have to trust, but you also have to verify." Mm. Um, when when I think about how I define my value, whether it's in a time of change or not, I make sure that I keep a living record of all the things that I've done. And I think more importantly, I try to quantify, and I know this is very difficult to do, but I try to quantify the value of my impact. And I've always uh, gone into review meetings or promotion discussions or even around new jobs trying to trying to articulate how the value that I brought was somehow greater than I'm being paid. So if I ask for a 10 or a 12 or a $20,000 raise, I have a really solid business case behind that. If you're in business, you want to speak business, have a really good business case behind me to say, you know, I made X amount of dollars, but I brought value in that's three times the value that I've delivered. And mm. I did that 
when I wasn't being paid for that value. Now I'm asking for you to share a bit in that value, um, but you can be assured by my track record that whatever that increases, I'm going to pay it back three, five, seven, tenfold, whatever that might be. Mm, so yeah. that, you know, that that's, it's really difficult to argue with. And then it comes back to the organization to say, boy, we just can't afford it right now, but we really appreciate your thoughtfulness. And sometimes you have to be patient. And sometimes it's like, you know what, you're right. You're too valuable to the organization. We can't afford to lose you. And of course, if you're an independent, uh, you know, person uh, like you, Carla, mm -hmm. demonstrating your value to your clients in the same way, you know, being able to articulate, you know, you were here when we started working together, you are here now after we are working together. And I'm not asking for more money. What I am asking for is your endorsement or, you know, your referral yes. and yeah. that sort of thing. Because if you can deliver for one person, you can deliver for many. Yeah. And, and it's so key, especially when you work for yourself, endorsement is, that is the referrals are the, is where I'm finding that I am obtaining more clientele. It's mm -hmm. word of mouth. It's, it's one of my clients telling another client and telling another client. Um, so you're, it's so true to get that endorsement. <laughs> I love it. Um, so understanding value is so key. And I think tracking it, like you said, a living record because even in life, some you experience this, I'm sure we lose sight of just how much we have done, even in these six months, even though, you know, we're like, oh, it sucks. And this and this and that can't wait for 2021. I don't know why they think that 2021 is going to be, you know, the lifesaver because you never know. But yet, um, in, instead of focusing on 2021 and the change that it possibly could bring, keeping a track record of the wins that you do have would be just great, crazy, you know, to help us get um, and understand our value. So thank yeah, you for I that. Yeah, and I think in times of, of challenge like this, it's even more important because everybody, you know, in times of crisis, people turn inward. And so, mm -hmm. you know, if you're working for a client or you're, you know, the, those stressors on that client are greater. Your boss has other things to worry about as well. So it's helpful for them when it comes back to, you know, at the end of the year, oftentimes, or when you're asking for a raise or a promotion, or even just the annual review cycle, um, to be able to provide your boss who, you know, is, is part of your team and your contributions are his or her contributions, okay. um, to be able to articulate for them so that they can go to their boss and take your great work and reflect it. And it's going to be biased in your favor because very clearly um, you added to the um, value of that person as an individual. Yes. So, yeah. And it's good, you know, you have to be your be your own advocate. And that's basically what we're saying when you're keeping record, you're advocating for yourself. When you keep track of all the wins, you're advocating for yourself. So I like that. I, I mean, I know it helped me in the times when I was working for someone to keep a running record. I actually would keep a Word document. And mm -hmm. anytime I got a win or met a milestone, I would plop it in this. this it, I mean, it wasn't anything fancy. It was just dropping what I did. So when it came to that year in review time, you could take that, excuse me, that information and utilize it to help you, you know, get your raise 
and, you know, whatever else promotion that you're looking for. And speaking of raises, so I love the way you, you threw out, you know, 10, 20, 30,000 increase. And I, you've read the, you've read the news and men are very bold in the way that they go in and expectation of increase or promotion where women seem to kind of wait to be recognized. Do you still find that true? Um, boy, that's a tough one. You know, as, as I, as I think about being a, a guy and having both men and women report to me, I haven't actually personally seen a big difference in the way people approach, um, these, yeah. Conversation, and this is just my personal experience. Um, I I wonder. Um, I I think that women often come in very well prepared, probably a bit more prepared than um, some of the particularly younger gentlemen do, who might feel uh, a bit more entitled. Um, <laughs> there, that might be a, a little bit of a difference there. Um, but you know, I I think every I think this is a very you know asking for a raise or or you know asking for something for oneself is very very difficult to do for anyone but i i think if if you are thinking about how gender might play a role and mm -hmm. the difference the historical difference between you know i'm, I'm putting my you know, PhD in psychology hat on here. Put it together. Uh, Put yeah. it out there. <laughs> uh, when, uh, when you think about the historical context of, uh, um, and I'm, I'm saying this traditionally, I'm not saying that this is the truth. I'm just saying traditional expectations that the, the man brings home the, the, the dollars and the woman takes care of the home. And again, those are very outdated um, references or thoughts. But in that history, men were asking not for themselves, but because they had a family to feed. And I think women can use that same approach in thinking, you know, I'm, I'm not asking mm. for myself. I am asking for my family. I am asking to, to yeah. um, for the return of the commitment that I have given an organization um, to be away from my family so that I can support my family so that the company now or the organization should give back a little bit more so that they recognize the sacrifices and the efforts that where I've gone above and beyond and where I'm ready for the next challenge. So I, I often think perhaps it's easier to frame an argument like that or a, a point of view like that around, look, I'm here for a reason. I wouldn't come to work if I didn't need to come to work. I'm doing this because I love what I do, but I also am doing this because I am paying for the rest of my life and I will continue to be committed, but I would like to see some of that commitment come back. And here is a real practical reason of how that is a good investment in me and my family. Mm -hmm. All right, lay it down. Don't just come in entitled, but really have the reasons behind the why. The why. And hopefully that is, uh, that helps, not hopefully that helps, but hopefully it is heard from the, whoever you're asking the raise from or the promotion from. But that also helps the asker or the woman or man, whoever's listening, that you need to have a why behind what you're asking or the why behind the change that you're expecting. And I even think that carries over into life itself is you change that you're in control of, like what you call it, self-agency. Yeah, self-agency. No. <laughs> yeah. 
I love it. And, and that is, you should have a why behind that as well. It's like, what areas can you influence and then why? Because if we just kind of just think things are going to fall in our lap or that they're just going, I wish they fell out of the sky. I really did. I really do. <laughs> but there has to be a purpose behind that. So when you're coaching and consulting an organization and change is what's needed, what do you, what do you look for? Or what do you advise or, or I'm going to stop there. What do you look for? What do you advise or whatever else that you see for an organization? Yeah, I, yeah, I, I think, I think probably the most, and when, if you think about the self-agency and I'll use this as a point of view, um, is an organization, a, and an organization is really nothing more than a group of people who make decisions and mm. for a purpose. Um, how ready are they for change? Because if an organization is suffering and things aren't working and their customers are upset and every day is a, is a grind and they just don't know how to make it better, they're very ready for change. But if mm. they believe, you know, the world is great, it, my world could never be improved upon. And I, you know, we've got this thing just nailed, whether that's a, a biased perspective or it's the truth, there's always room for change. But if mentally someone is not ready for that change, then, you know, it's, it's going to be an uphill battle. It's going to be a fight everywhere along the way. So the first thing that I look for is what is the readiness for change? and setting expectations that change is difficult. It requires a different mindset. It requires an open mind and it requires an attitude of openness. Um, so uh, that's probably the first thing that I look for is mm -hmm. readiness for change. That's key because if they're not ready, you're, they're not, it's hard. <laughs> Simple. Yeah. And so, so say, a company wants you to come in and they're not ready, but they know they need to do something different, which is like, count, you know, it doesn't even work. They know they need to do something different, but they don't want to change the key aspect of what is holding them back. How would you, I mean, is it just rip the bandaid and force them to do it? Or do you know, or can you share, like, how would you convince that? If they're listening right now <laughs> and they're like, man, I need, I know I need change. Well, I really don't think I need change, but there is something that needs to happen, but I'm resistant to invest in what change takes. I'm, I'm not interested in, in upsetting the status quo of what we have going on right now because it is good and I know I need to do something, but I don't want to lose employees during this time or I don't want to put the stress on myself. Do you have some tools for that? Yeah, I, I think I think it's even more complicated than that in that okay. many organizations, there are different levels of the organization at different levels of readiness. So I'm going to use the example of a, a merger between two organizations. The C-suite, the executive team might recognize that there's a time for change and put change in motion before the rest, often before the rest of the organization knows about it for many reasons, as you can imagine, mm -hmm. uh, secrecy and, you know, and all of that planning that happens behind the scenes before an acquisition. When a change is announced, there are a whole group of people who are surprised by it and immediately um, increase a level of uncertainty. And that certain uncertainty, again, causes people to reflect inward and maybe hold back on, on change. Um, I, I think when I think about 
the level of readiness and how to prepare someone, it really is about being transparent and saying, look, we know this was a surprise or, you know, this change is coming or we believe that we really need this change. Being clear, and this is a mistake that many, many leaders make, being clear that they do not have all the answers and that we need everyone's perspective to be engaged and to help us guide through this time of change, what makes it makes a huge difference and automatically adjusts people's perspective. So I would say that if an organization or a person is not sure if a change um, is needed or in sometimes a change is not needed. Sometimes a leader has an idea that change should be undertaken. And I think the best way to go about that is talk to people and say, where are you hurting right now? What is not working well? What would yeah. you like to see differently? And then if you incorporate all of those things in, in into the change and make people, because again, change is a change related to people, mm -hmm. if you can bring the people along with that change by addressing their issues and concerns and making them a part of it, it really breaks down a lot of barriers, whether they want the change or not, or are ready for it. If mm -hmm. they feel like their voice is being heard and more importantly, are contributing um, to a positive change in their environment, um, then you know that often gets people over, over the hurdle inclusiveness in that sense of it's not it's not a it's not against you it's for you let's all get involved and that's why we have change agents go in uh or appointed to help uh cheer on the change right and to yeah. encourage like the reason why uh, a lot of companies spend a lot of time in a lot of money investing in change and it's a lot spent on just getting the people on board. So very true. It, it, yeah. it works. And that makes it stick because when you step out of the scene, right, as a, as a consultant, you step away, it still has to keep going. So That's right. getting the people to sign on and to continue on with what is needed to maintain that change to where they get a win is key. So I love the question, where are you hurting? And that goes personally or in business. I mean, that's Absolutely. where are you hurting? Because where we are right now, personally and, and financially and business-wise, there is some hurt going on. And we cannot be scared to take a look at where we're not functioning well. That's exactly right. And when, when I think of when change fails, it's when it up and says, I've got it all figured out. We're going to do this change. <laughs> Just get on board. And, you know, and then that sets that person up to go, well, you know, I, I'm not sure you have all the answers and I bet you're going to fail, but I'm, I'm not going to, I'm going to let you go. And we're going to watch this fail. And, you know, it, sometimes to our own self detriment, but mm -hmm. um, you know, that, yeah. that, um, that is a very real thing that happens. And yeah. I think the exciting part, and again, if you empower you with transparency that I don't know all the answers, I know the general direction that we're going to go and what we want to achieve when we, when we get to where we're going in this evolution and we need everyone to contribute and be a part of it. And that you are giving others that self-agency and that change. And that's what people want. It, it, that's what I want when I'm going through changes to have some semblance of control. And I know I won't get everything I want, but I can help shape the future of whichever direction we're going in. 
So that goes back to how you said, you know, how do I adjust my action? So that's where you would do it. And that is um, getting on board and seeing the benefit of not having all the answers if you were the leader, not having all the answers and opening up to what others have to say in their input. So, which is not always easy for leaders because, you know. Well, and I'll, I'll let you in on a secret. Please. In, in the times that we're in right now, um, the future is so desperately uncertain. And it's an opportunity for people who might have been afraid to speak up or maybe have not had the or maybe had had a number of good ideas that have been shut down in the past. Um, the, the template of the future is not written. <laughs> Two years ago, you could go to a leader of an organization and say, you know, I think that if we're going to really future proof ourselves, we're going to do this. And they could say, well, you know, that's just not how the the industry works, or that's not how our company works, or that's not how, you know, X, Y, or Z works. Now, nobody knows. Mm -hmm. And so the future is wide open. So the your listeners have the opportunity to define the future in a way and create the next template of the next phase of the industry. And part of that is having the confidence and adjusting the mindset that this is not something we should be afraid of, but something we should embrace and chase and go out and, and try to drive our own change for the future. I like that. Embrace and chase. And the template of the future is not written yet. <laughs> and, and that is freeing in itself. And I was reading, is it this morning, Twitter is like, they're never going back in the office. They're going to always be working from home. I think that's mm -hmm. what I read. And you know how long people desired to work from home, you know, and couldn't get their organization to get on board. And there's still some organizations that say once it's done, they're going back into the brick and mortar. Um, I think that's also a very closed-minded uh, concept, right? But a lot of people feel like if you're away from the office, when they're micromanagers, they're not able to you know, keep on top of you. However, times are changing and uh, the future is not written. So I think I have an office, you know, it's great to have it, but do I really need it when it comes to change? You know, I can create whatever I wanna create. Um, you can create whatever you want to recreate. So what have you been creating lately? If I can go personal with you and you can tell, you can say what you want to say or not want to say, but <laughs> how have you been creating? Uh, yeah, I've been, I've been thinking about how, how the world is going to be different. So I've, I've had the um, benefit of working for some really large and um, influential organizations, both in the consulting world and in, you know, healthcare um, in the, in just the general business corporate space and the ideas that we've had or that I've had along the way, um, as I think about what is the template of the future look like, mm -hmm. um, many of those ideas, people are listening now. And so the, the, the creativity that I am applying in my own mind is, can I push myself to the limit of, what my creativity will allow and can i convince one or two people that there is something here worth trying it might not be the right answer in the way that i've defined mm -hmm. it but if you start to explore it 
can we find a path that's going to work for an individual organization or for a person um, who's, you know, embarking on some change within their life? So uh, when I think about the uncertainty of the future, I'm one of those, Carla, as you know, I'm one of those folks that love uncertainty yes. and you really get excited <laughs> by, you know, the, the, the idea of change. So yeah, this is, I, I was built for this. So um, I love it. yeah, when I'm thinking about creativity, I'm thinking about how can I help people yeah. and organizations drive change in a, in a way that they may have been afraid, but do it in a way that's going to mitigate their risk and, and help them be successful in that. I so agree. That's so awesome. And it's so true. I think this now more than ever, you know, executive coaches, uh, business coaches, consultants, this is the time, man, our, our calendars should be filled up because this is where you bring in the strategic thinker like yourself or myself and we get in there and we bring about what needs to happen and what's what at least bring about some much needed growth or much needed uh, new insight that will help an organization or a small company or a person experience the end game that they want to achieve. So Thank you for all your wise information. <laughs> <laughs> and so I have a question for you in closing here. Um, what is your, what do you have the spotlight on? And this could be business, personal for 2021. What will you shine your spotlight on for 2021? Well, that is a great question. Carla. <laughs> uh, when, <laughs> when I think, when I think about uh, where I want to focus my my twenty twenty one, um, it it really is this idea of helping define the next template. Um, I want to I want to help set in motion um, these ideas that what we've done in the past does it it just doesn't have to be, and whether that's working remotely or whether that is engaging with your clients in a, mm. in a smarter way yes. and really understanding the uniqueness of each of your customers so that you can drive, um, so that you can drive solutions that really meet their needs as individuals. Um, and then how, you know, this is probably one of the more ambitious areas, but how can uh, people and organizations better use the information that's around them, whether that's data or behaviors or all of the above, um, in a in a intuitive way, so that um, the an organization or a person doesn't become stagnant after things get back to normal. This level of acceleration and change needs to continue. So, how can the world continue to evolve when these mm. external pressures? Um, are removed or yeah. you know, are, are, better un are better understood, I would say. Yeah. Wow. That's great. No, that's awesome. I love it. I love it. How can people better use the information around them? Because I think we are, be we are in the flight mode and so fight or mm -hmm. flight. And when we get to where it's calm again, do we lose, will we lose the hype or will we lose the drive or will we lose the, the incentive? So very much so. Thank you so much, Dale Warner. I didn't say your last name, but this is Dale Warner here on the Strong Woman's Network podcast and dropping nuggets. We have such great guests here and you have, you have upheld the great guest title by giving us so much information and do you want to just leave us with any other words of wisdom before we sign off? 
Um, no, I just really enjoyed being here, Carla, and I hope I've done my gender proud um, in, in, in the Strong Women's Network. And uh, it was such such an honor to be uh, part of part of your uh, part of your podcast. Oh, thank you, Dale. Thank you so much, and I will be talking to you soon. And thank you, listeners, for tuning in. And I will see you next time. Have a good one. Goodbye.